It's the 22nd of January, 2021. This is the Room Now podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Jack Cush, executive editor of RoomNow.com. This week, we have a cavalcade of info about lupus. Actually, January 22, we're waiting for an FDA decision about vocal sporin, a calcium neurin inhibitor that's been uh, studied in lupus nephritis. It may be the next new big addition to the lupus arsenal. Uh, but midday here on the 22nd, we haven't yet heard from the FDA, so look for that in reports to come. Let's begin with a discussion about the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. The MMWR CDC released safety data regarding this new vaccine. Uh, as you know, it's the second of two vaccines that have been um, FDA approved under an emergency use, use authorization. Uh, they reported their um uh, 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 results regarding the uh, serious adverse event of anaphylaxis. So thus far, with over 4 million people, uh, 4 million doses of the Moderna vaccine being given out, there have been 10 cases of anaphylaxis. None of them resulted in death. Nine out of 10 of them occurred within the first t- 10 or 15 minutes of the vaccination. These numbers basically mirror that we reported a few weeks ago with the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, where the the incidence there was 111 million. Here the incidence is uh, 2.5 cases per million people. Again, these are really rare, rare events, but it's important that you know the safety data regarding these vaccines. Um, Good data comes from Jeff Sparks and colleagues looking at the uh, risks associated with rheumatoid lung, interstitial lung disease, NRA, using a Medicare database. Jeff and colleagues reported on um, the the frequency of this was only seen about 5% of patients, according to claims data. Now, we do know from uh, other cohorts, it's actually higher. We do know from uh, autopsy series, it's even much higher, approaching 30, 40% or more. Um, but more importantly, patients who have RAILD were at a higher risk of mortality and that the mortality risks were also um, uh, specifically higher for cancer and lung-related mortality. So uh, again, a bad prognostic finding if someone develops RAILD. Um, very disconcerting data about the use of um SNRIs, uh, antidepressants used to treat pain. Uh, this includes drugs like Cymbalta, Savella, Effexor, Pristique, etc. Um, the BMJ, British Medical Journal, reported a meta-analysis about this, basically showing really negligible effect on pain overall, especially for back pain, um, and maybe some benefit for osteoarthritis-associated pain. They studied you know, different kinds of pain, including sciatica and back pain, hip and knee OA pain, etc. Again, sort of possible marginal effect for osteoarthritis, but, and actually the way they worded it, was a clinically important effect on OA cannot be excluded. Meaning it's not like they were inundated with a lot of positive data, but really the data regarding sciatica and back pain wasn't very good, yet we rely on these medicines quite commonly in our difficult-to-treat pain patients. Pain is a bit of a pain, is it not? Anyway, um, lupus. As I mentioned, a lot of things on lupus this week. Um, A good tweet from my partner, Dr. Catherine Dow, 
um, who was faced with a patient with Ben Lista and the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, she says, don't hold the COVID. I mean, sorry, don't hold the Ben Lista. Give the COVID. Um, uh, take the cannoli, leave the gun. It sounds like a quote from The Godfather. Uh, don't hold the Ben Lista. Uh, get the, the the COVID vaccine. Previous studies have shown that, again, antibody responses in people treated with about the belimumab actually still are okay. And that's been studied in both Prevnar uh, 13, uh, the Pneumovax, PPSV 23, flu and tetanus vaccine. So uh, again, this is yet another biologic that should not get in the way of nor be manipulated because someone's getting the COVID vaccine. Uh, another lupus study comes from a uh, study of lupus myositis. Now, we've all seen and talked about myositis occurring in the context of lupus, but let's be clear. The vast majority of those people were, in fact, people who had an overlap syndrome, right? Um, myositis is a feature of lupus without meeting criteria for idiopathic inflammatory myositis or dermatomyositis is actually quite uncommon, I have to scratch my head and use a computer to find cases in my many years of practice. So this particular Canadian study of 560 lupus patients who did not have myositis at baseline found over a mean follow-up of 8.5 years, five patients who developed myositis and associated with, associated with lupus. So that gives you a rate of about one per 1,000 patient years. Risk factors? Rainouts, arthritis were more common, but actually uh, the fact that this occurred mostly in non-whites was the only thing that sort of really panned out in um, multivariate analyses. So um, it's not common. Um, so, and and how is it treated? They didn't go into that, but it still is important to note. Uh, lupus flares after discontinuation. MedPage today ran, I thought, a useful um, analysis of a recent arthritis and rheumatology journal article. It is a um, large analysis, over 1,300 patients, five lupus cohorts. And uh, the question is, when you stop or wean off of hydroxychloroquine, um, who's going to flare? Uh, this has been the subject of a number of different reports, including at ACR and ULAR this past year. Uh, and in this particular analysis, they showed that, um, let's see, that being Asian um, and having active disease was um, uh, were risk factors 50%, 60% higher for those who had to um, uh, increase their medication um, after they flared. Uh, another way of analyzing data showed that um, being African-American and having a younger onset at diagnosis also increased the risk of flare by about 50%. So these factors do tell you maybe populations in whom if you're going to wean or stop the hydroxychloroquine, presumably there's a good reason to stop the hydroxychloroquine, um, the, those people may be at higher risk. How common is lupus? You know, if you... I don't know what the latest number is on the um, Lupus uh, Foundation's website, but it's often in the millions, and a lot of that's skewed by just positive ANAs and wrongful diagnoses of, lup of lupus. As you know, um, epidemiologic studies done and published in arthritis and rheumatism, gosh, almost 15 years ago, said that the, um, the prevalence of lupus in the United States was about 290,000. Uh, more recent studies, one that was just published this uh, this this uh, recent week, 
um, shows that combining data from the CDC and a number of different lupus registries, they estimate, and this was a, an abstract last year at ACR, and a, I believe it was a, uh, a, a, an abstract and part of the Spotlight series. You have a slide on this if you want to find it. Um, look for the Spotlight uh, slide download from the 2019 uh, ACR meeting. Anyway, their numbers suggest that it's 204,295 patients in the United States who have lupus. Um, that gives you a prevalence of about 73 cases per 100,000 population, and they reaffirmed what we've always known, that lupus is nine times more prevalent in women more so than men. Uh, it is also much more prevalent in certain populations, including uh, not just African-Americans and, um, and Asians, but also American Indians and Alaskan Natives um, are, have a higher risk of developing uh, lupus. So... Um, I think a very interesting study comes from the Swedish Armed Forces. Um, they actually looked at the risk of developing psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So imagine, if you will, they've got like data on all their recruits, everybody they bring in, and then they can actually look at long-term health outcomes. And so in their instance, they actually had, from 1968 to 2005, 1.9 million military recruits who they enrolled, theoretically, they followed these people for 31 years, and they showed that the risk of developing psoriatic disease was higher in those who had the lowest degree of cardiovascular fitness. That's kind of interesting. Risk factors previously um, for psoriatic disease, especially psoriatic arthritis, include trauma and people who work in um, um, manual labor uh, industries. Uh, in this particular analysis, low cardiovascular fitness. Now, does that mean that they're more prone to injury? It's not really uh, looked at here. Um, you have an increased risk of 35% for developing psoriasis and 44% increased risk of developing psoriatic arthritis. Um, yet another reason why exercise is good for not just the heart, but also the joints and skin. Uh, a nice analysis shows you the long-term risk of symptomatic HIPOA. And in this particular um, analysis from the uh, hip and knee cohort study, it's in patients who were enrolled with early symptomatic knee, uh, hip OA, um, and then they found out how many went on to receive hip replacement. So imagine that. The question is, someone with early osteoarthritis of the hip, based on symptoms, based on maybe even x-ray, um, how many do you think will go on to receive a hip replacement? In this analysis, fairly large cohort, 10-year follow-up, it was one in nine. Kind of interesting. Uh, osteoarthritis increased over a 10-year period um, um, clinically uh, and radiographically. Uh, radiographically increased from 19% to 49% in this cohort. And then clinical manifestations. So they had symptoms uh, and growing symptoms of 27% at the outset, increased to 43%. Seems like a low number to me. But nonetheless, I like that number of one in nine will progress to uh, hip replacement. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the literature. Another, I didn't put it up this week. I, I published it, but I'm not going to discuss it here. I'm going to mention that a Swedish registry has shown again that venous thromboembolism is associated with disease activity in RA. Um, Nature uh, Reviews has a nice article written by Stan Cohen here in Dallas, great teacher, past ACR president. Um, looking at VTEs and, and, and the risk of VTEs with jack inhibition, 
and uh, and he makes the important point that um, that there's very very little or no risk in the development trials where you know it's just RA. There's no comorbidities. There's not a lot of other things. Or they have to have active disease, but you know most of them don't have the worst possibly active disease. The risk in that cohort is very different than in the long-term extension, which is where they start to see cases of VTE and very different than the real world uh, RA patient who often has way more comorbidities, often way more activity and, and other risk factors that would might have been excluded like um, prior VTEs or obesity um, and uh, other things that would indicate disease activity. So it's an important analysis. Again, we've discussed the risk of VTE and who's more likely to get it. Um, The the more recent data suggests if you had a prior VTE, um, uh, you probably shouldn't be going on a JAK inhibitor as your first choice. You should think of other things. Uh, Obese patients are also seem to be a higher risk. Age, RA, disease activity, all being other risk factors. Good news for the FDA and rheumatologist, Dr. Janet Woodcock, a rheumatologist, um, past um, director of the Center for Disease of Drug Evaluation and Research, CEDAR, at the FDA, um, has been appointed as the interim head of the FDA. There's been a, a turnover at the FDA with the new administration. And Janet is now the interim head. Congratulations to Dr. Woodcock for all that she's achieved at the FDA and, and for representing rheumatologists in her own um, subtle ways. Um, this is good news for the FDA. Let's hope that she's kept on as the permanent replacement as an FDA director. Uh, and then there's, a, uh, I think, a really important article um, as people are getting vaccinated um, as there seems to be a slight increase in travel. Are you going to Room Now Live in Fort Worth? Are you going to RWCS in Maui? I'll be at both of those. I'm going to drive to Fort Worth. I'm going to fly to Maui. Um, question is, should you fly? What you should be telling your patients who are considering flying? There's been a number of different directives from the CDC in and around the risks and some of the recommendations for uh, in this era of COVID-19 infection. I think that's worth looking at or knowing that there's a good resource on room now that you could point to. Uh, uh, bottom line is it does say don't travel, you know, unless you have to. And that there are certain and that you really have to evaluate where you're going and what the risk is going to be like when you get there. I still think one of the brightest things I heard uh, about risk with COVID dates back almost to, I think, April or May when Peter King, the, the um, medical writer, I mean, the sports writer, for, used to be with Sports Illustrated. Now he has his own network, uh, uh, was interviewing Tony Fauci. And Tony Fauci talking to Peter King about the the leagues, baseball, basketball, um, hockey, and how they could resume play um, made the very important statement, when you can control your environment, you're going to substantially reduce risk. And that's what it's all about if you want to travel. So you can, can control your environment on the plane. You really can't control it getting on and off the plane. Are you going to be able to control your environment at your destination? Uh, and again, this is for you as uh, podcast listeners, but also for you to advise other people. And maybe why the blanket statement of not traveling might be the smartest thing until uh, later this year. Uh, but it, I think it's a useful resource, resource I want you to be aware of. Uh, I, I want to remind you, Room Now Live, we're on March 2021 uh, in Fort Worth, but live streaming as well. 
register now. It's 12 hours of CME. It's a powerhouse faculty and program. I'll be talking about that in the future, as you know. Um, we're also going to have an upcoming town hall meeting on Room Now on one of our Tuesday night uh, rheumatology series. We're going to have a town hall either next Tuesday or Tuesday after. We're going to talk about COVID, COVID issues, answer a lot of your questions about what you should do. I'll end with a talk back question from um, my good friend in Puerto Rico, Dr. Rad Sierra Zorita. Rad sends me an email wanting to know about what to do with our patients who are on DMARDs and biologics. A very common question I'm getting these days. He especially wants to know about um, the patients who are on uh, mycophenolate. Um, and are there any updates? Well, we do know that the ACR has a task force that are working on this. Jeff Curtis is leading that task force. They're having multiple rounds of, 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 uh, of discussion um, to get expert opinion on some of these key issues. We can probably expect guidance from the ACR task force in early February. I don't think it's going to be available in the next 10 days, but soon thereafter, you should look for this about, you know, should our patients all get the coronavirus vaccines? The answer is yes, but we'll wait and see what they say. And what do you do about um, their medicines? In uh, this question, what do you do about mycophenolate? Continue the mycophenolate. As Dr. Dow said in her tweet, continue the Ben Lista. You continue basically all your therapies and give the vaccination. We can have a lot of argument and discussion about methotrexate right now. Continue the methotrexate until you get something authoritative that you can hang your hat on. The one clear, clear issue is patients who are going to receive or have received rituximab. If they just received rituximab, you should probably wait six months before giving the COVID vaccine. Uh, if they are going to get rituximab, you should probably get the COVID vaccine, the COVID vaccine, and then give your either scheduled or new uh, rituximab infusion. If you can wait, if you can't wait, if disease activity dictates they get it now, then wait. You know what's going to be the greater evil here? Uncontrolled disease activity was clearly going to be the greater evil. So treat, treat people that need to be treated now. That's it for this week on the podcast. We'll tune in and get you more info next week.